Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We need to make sure that we choose wisely, that we make the right decision, that we elect somebody who can actually win and beat Joe Biden. And we need a president who has the skills and the resolve to reverse the madness that we see on a daily basis. We need a president that is focused on the future and not the past. And we need a president who puts Americans and America first. And I'm here to tell you that that man is Ron DeSantis. Now, that's very nice of the Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds, to endorse Ron DeSantis. But the the way was not very authoritative. The way was very... I'm going to get in so much trouble for this. I'm going to get in so much... The very was way was very much mom laying out the rules for the Glee Club sleepover. It Kim Reynolds is is serious. She has shown herself to be a good governor. The endorsement matters in the state of Iowa. I just uh, that could have been stronger right there. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What is going on? Oh, by the way, uh, send your, send your hate mail. Uh, if, if you've got, uh, any hate mail, or where, I don't know, where should we send it? Where, where, where's, I don't know. Pick another radio host, Mark Levin at gmail.com. I don't know. <laughs> send it to me. Feel free. I'll get an email from Mark Levin. Like he knows who I am. What is this all about? Ah, oh. the election is still coming and is, is, is worthy of our time. And perhaps things will get better as Senate Republicans now unveil some border security. Well, more to the point, border security demands and how they want to tie this to funding with Ukraine. You have Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. You have Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. They put out a list of immigration reforms they're going to demand be attached to any foreign aid package regarding Ukraine. Now, with Ukraine, we discussed this in detail yesterday with Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. They're at stalemate. And there's there's been an argument made that uh, Vladimir Zelensky will not listen to anybody tell him that it's a stalemate that this is really and truly not something that is surmountable. He won't have any part of that. And he has been very much on on the record to say so. So if you start telling uh, Americans that this is a stalemate, there is no possible victory for Vladimir Zelensky, for Ukraine, they are going to further wonder what in the world are we actually funding? And it's not that I'm even opposed to the funding. I We might disagree on this. 
further decimating Russia with treasure, not blood, is an acceptable situation in my book. And I'm willing to debate this out. I'm willing to engage it on its conservative principles. Absolutely I am. More than willing to do exactly that. But you have this now um, from Republicans saying, okay, this is, this is what we want. They see it uh, as, for example, Department of Homeland Security has to resume construction of the border wall. They have to increase pay for Border Patrol agents, reform the nation's asylum laws, which are so messed up, and a crackdown on humanitarian parole of illegal immigrants and deny asylum to migrants who cross through safe third countries before coming to the U.S. And since Mexico is a safe third country, if you're coming through Mexico, you can't come in. Now, this is a much different conversation than whether or not we should um, close off the border. I, I don't, I'm not a believer in closing off the border, just, just for the, the, the conversation's sake. And uh, I am putting together now a series of interviews. Uh, the former Border Patrol chief and I will be speaking. I have got experts in the policy field and other places. We're going to be doing Border Week and really bringing all of the, the, the pieces so we can start better understanding what it is we're dealing with because it, there is no one-size-fits-all. Close the border is not the answer. Have a proper focus on the border, I think, is. Close the border is actually detrimental. Now, that should not be a, a sign that I don't believe that you might have to, while instituting some new policy, shut some things down for a while. I'm discussing if you were to say de facto, shut it down, nobody else in, that's a problem. And that's, a, that's an actually an economic problem. We shouldn't deny that. We shouldn't deny that, that it, there's a lot of places where workers are indeed needed. And there's a value here. But you got to be dealing with people who want to engage the value, not with people who want to do you harm. Like, for example, I would not allow single males into the United States. That's out. That's right out. I don't want to hear it. Tell Ocasio-Cortez to complain to somebody else. You child. You silly little child. Grown men have to go back and fight for their country. Women and children are different. See that? There is a difference between men and women. It's funny, when it comes to the border, all the progressives know the difference between men and women. They're not worried about pronouns. No, no, they know immediately. Um, increasing the pay for Border Patrol agents? You're not going to get an argument uh, from me. Uh, I, I would... I would say, remember, I've only been to the border once, and I am planning to go back, although I don't think it is until the spring. If I can, if I could get down now, I would. Um, I didn't get the feel that the argument was, we just want to be paid more. I got the feeling that the argument was, we want to be able to do our job. If we also got paid more, that'd be great. That'd be, that'd be, like, that'd be super terrific. That was, that was the feel. Uh, reforming the nation's asylum laws? Absolutely. These people claiming asylum are lying through their teeth. There aren't that many asylum seekers. They have been taught to claim asylum. And so they do. 
And all of those NGOs, those non-governmental organizations, all those organizations teaching people how to lie, I'd throw them in jail. I'd make that a crime. Without question, I'd make it a crime. And as for building the wall, okay, walls work, and Border Patrol has stated quite clearly that walls work. But walls do not stop people from getting into the country. When you realize that the wall is like a mile and a half inland in these parts of the Rio Grande uh, sector, the Rio Grande Valley, and you're like, what the heck? And you're walking on both sides of the wall, and you're, it, is, it is super weird. You can walk on one side, the other side, walk around it. There are these gaps. You're like, what's going on? This doesn't even make any sense. As explained by Border Patrol, the wall is not there to stop people. It's there to slow them down so they can be apprehended. For a wall really to work, you'd have to put it in the middle of the Rio Grande. And you'd have to make it tall. Like, super tall. And then you've got Trump's wall, and then you've got Abbott's wall, and then you've got other wall, and then you've got retaining walls. It's, it is a hodgepodge, mash, mix, messed up weirdo. This is no way to run a civilized country. At all. Now, we know that the cost of illegal immigration, the money involved, News Nation reporting that Border Patrol is spending about $100 million every month on soft-sided processing facilities. Hold on a second. Did you say $100 million a month? That's almost Tony's cigar budget. $100 million a month. Not on keeping the border safe, on what is referred to as soft-sided processing facilities. We're talking about physical locations to process all the people coming over the border. We're not talking about enforcement. When you listen to Border Patrol, what they'll tell you is they spend a fair amount of their time doing things that have nothing to do with actually apprehending people who are crossing illegally. It's all the other nonsense for cock to craziness. So not only do we put our money towards things that don't actually focus themselves on apprehension, the people who are there to apprehend, we have them doing all these other things so they're not actually apprehending. Oh, you got to make sure this paperwork is right. Oh, you got to make sure that these people are fed. Oh, you got to make sure these people are housed. $100 million. Every month. In Yuma alone, according to the reporting, operational expenses are $500,000 a day to operate these two temporary facilities. As I pointed out to someone today off air, we have veterans living in their car. You cannot sell Americans on the idea that somehow we have to spend $500,000 a day on people who aren't even willing to cross at legal points of entry. Some are, not all. And then claim asylum if they've crossed illegally and we say, here's a bed. When we have veterans, we don't say, here's a bed too. This cost number is absolutely huge. 
So this push by Republican senators, this push, this push is um, kind of a, what's, what's the word I'm, 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 I'm looking for? Uh, fantasy? Yeah, it's kind of a fantasy. How are they going to convince the Democrats to go along in the Senate? Because you can get stuff like this done in, in the House. You might find you've got every Republican on board in the House. I don't know what Thomas Massey will do, because right now I don't know what Thomas Massey is doing. I like the senator from Kentucky. Oh, and there's a big election today in Kentucky. Isn't the Kentucky gubernatorial uh, election today? Yeah, it is. A lot of elections all across the country. Uh, Virginia is, is, a, is a big focus for a lot of people. In my beloved Indiana, there, there's elections. Lots and lots and lots of elections today. So in Virginia, it's a legislature. In Kentucky, it is governor. I'd be very happy to see Andy Bashir go by the wayside. I'd be very happy to see um, that in Kentucky, they vote for Daniel Cameron, who was the attorney general and is now running for governor, the first black gubernatorial nominee. You see, if he wins, you get to say Republicans elected uh, uh, the the first black governor. If he loses, you get to call Democrats racists. So really, it's a win-win if you're into the whole checkbox way of doing things. If you're into checkboxes, oh, a lot of good things going on in Kentucky. Uh, from what I know... Cameron has not run a bad campaign. I'm not sure how it's going to work out. My my expertise in Kentucky only exists in Bourbon. But I don't know how you're going to get Senate Democrats to go along with this stuff. I don't know how you're going to get them to be okay with this. As for the idea of Biden signing something like this, well, one thing at a time, Kitten. First, you got to have the plan to send. But as we've seen from the Biden administration, as they have started building wall again, as they've, as they've started repairing things, they've come to realize that a lot of their, well, we're not going to do it Trump way nonsense didn't work. They know they've got a problem and they know it's going to hurt them in the election. So they may be okay with some of this because they have to do it. They'll claim some other victory on the other side. I just don't know how they're going to get Senate Democrats. But there's no doubt they're tying this to Ukraine funding which more and more people are going to start saying, if it's a stalemate, why, why are we giving them all this money? Expect that chorus to grow even louder. I'm Tony Katz. Ladies and gentlemen, the McRib is back. You're going to have to repeat that for me. I said, Robert Mueller, the McRib is back. Please clap. Thank you, Jeb Bush. I appreciate it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It is happening in real time. There's the pickles. There's the onions. There's that specialty bun that comes frozen, ladies and gentlemen. It is coming to menus, well, in parts of the Midwest, maybe not everywhere. I don't know. It could be. It could be. It's not where where you are. It's coming back to Indiana, and I live in Indiana. And at that moment, I stopped reading. The McRib is happening. Only five hundred ca- uh, five hundred twenty calories. By the way, if it was double the calories, I would still eat it. Triple, yes. Now, 
What is in the McRib? Well... It's, it's a mystery! It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma! No one knows, and no one has to know. And I think that's the key here. We don't actually have to be told. You know what we have to do? Not wear a white shirt. And just eat the McRib and just let it, let it drip down. Let it drip down your cheek. Let it just drip. Hold on, so let me do this. Let me do this right. Let's bring that down a little bit. Let's bring that down a little bit. Just take the bite of the beautiful McRib. It's glistening. It's, well, that's the fat, Tony. You shut your mouth. I'm talking about the McRib. It's glistening in the, in the fluorescent light of the McDonald's and, and, and the, oh, the smell. Oh, like I'm Joe Biden. Oh, it's so good. And then, then you take a bite and you're like, is it chewy? Is it tough? What's happening? But it doesn't matter because you have that sauce, which is made up of sugar and more sugar and something called red dye number 74. You don't know. You don't care. It is delicious. And then you realize, oh, oh, there's a pickle. Oh, there's a pickle. And then you take the next bite with the pickle. And that's when you realize, when you realize you probably should go on a date because you're pretty lonely. Oh, the McRib's good. The McRib's good. I'm, I am not shy. Um, my rabbi won't approve, but, you know, um, I, I, I come armed to synagogue. So he likes me anyway. I think that's important. Cannot wait. Love the McRib. I need the moment in time where the stars align and then you can get the McRib at the same time you can get the Shamrock Shake. That's, that's the moment. Because if I can take a McRib and take the bite, excuse me, I'm having my moment here. You just wait. If I can have the McRib and then a sip of Shamrock Shake. All right, all right, all right. Damn straight. And I know a lot of you. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. I, I don't, I, don't judge. Do not judge me. Uh, at the University of Pennsylvania, there have been alerts. They have alerted the FBI to, quote, disturbing and threatening anti-Semitic emails against its Jewish community. As I've already explained, the violence is here. And it's not going to go away. It's going to grow. So I'd appreciate it if everybody would just grow up. Israel is not going to stop. There will be no ceasefire until the hostages are freed. Hamas has to surrender. Hamas is the problem. Terrorists are the problem. That college campuses are supportive? Well, we've done a pretty poor job with engaging a moral center uh, for college students who are adults and are responsible. If it means you don't get a job, I don't care. Someone has you can go be a lawyer, but no law firm has to hire you, you Jew-hating bigot. I mean... You should stop doing that. But what is the situation, not just here in the United States, but in Israel? Uh, Dr. Louis Profeta is an emergency room doctor uh, here in Indianapolis and, and a friend. We have celebrated holidays together. He is in Israel because they needed doctors and he's training doctors. My conversation with him coming up and the manifesto from the Nashville shooter released, uh, leaked by, it was leaked to Stephen Crowder and then released. Nashville police admit that it's real. 
That story is coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. Our goal is to release the 240 hostages uh, in Gaza, Israeli hostages. I'm talking about babies, uh, very old women, uh, incredibly horrific uh, cases, and to eliminate Hamas. Um, So what we're doing is essentially applying a, a siege on the terror tunnels. They have 500 kilometers worth of tunnels, underground tunnels. They built a whole terror city for 15 years instead of building schools and and a future. They decided to take all that money and and build terror against Israelis. And instead of entering those tunnels, we're squeezing them, uh, denying them energy for the ventilation of the tunnels, so we smoke out the terrorists. This is going to take some time, um, and we have to follow through. What happens to the hostages? We're doing our best. That's Naftali Bennett, the former prime minister of Israel and very possibly will be the prime minister in the future, depending on what happens with Benjamin Netanyahu. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Dr. Louis Profeta is an emergency room physician from Indianapolis who decided to uh, answer the call of a need for doctors in Israel and currently is in Israel training doctors on ER procedures and trauma procedures. Uh, He has been keeping us up to date. He joins us uh, right now. Uh, First things first, uh, Dr. Profeta, uh, how are are you and where you're at? What has been the war situation? I mean, I'm I'm fine. I mean, I feel safe. Uh, I mean, uh, we're seeing stuff. We're hearing a lot of ordinances. It's hard to sleep at night because... You'll hear artillery going off in the South Lebanon, and you know we're having rockets fired over us periodically, and alarms going off, and got to see Iron Dome literally intercept, uh, intercept a rocket above my head yesterday. So, but other than that, I guess we're doing okay. Well, the idea that you can laugh off Iron Dome intercepted a rocket above my head yesterday uh, uh, is, is pretty interesting. You you talk about as we've had these conversations. Uh, that throughout Israel, uh, the feeling is uh, whatever our issues were regarding judicial reform or anything else, all that's over to the side. Hamas is the number one issue, the number one target, and everybody's in it together. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There's, there was a lot of schism in Judaism, not only in Israel, but I think uh, nationwide, sort of geopolitically. And uh, if one thing Hamas did, sadly, it's probably unified the, the Jewish people in the state of Israel like uh, nothing that I, I would have ever imagined. I mean, they are singularly focused, but these people are incredibly sad right now. Um, and it, you can see that there is a tremendous amount of, you know, PTSD just from this event. And, you know, you're also talking about a country just like ours, just came off of COVID, now they're thrust into this. So, man, it, they are really, really sad, but they're incredibly determined, too. You are there in, in the northern part of, of Israel, not too far from Lebanon, as, as you mentioned. You went to go train these doctors. I always thought it interesting that you would think Israel would have some incredibly well-trained doctors in the idea of dealing with, with trauma, in, in, in dealing with uh, what you do as an ER doc on a daily basis. Is that not the case? 
Oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you, they're, they're ahead of us, okay? When, when you say that I'm there to train, uh, help them train, I'm training uh, some of their residents that are literally right out of medical school that haven't had an opportunity to, to learn anything because all their attendings and their senior doctors have been you know, moved into sort of support roles for the military. So we're backfilling a lot of that. I mean, they run trauma better than we do. I mean, just their, their physical plant, their layout is much, much better than anything we have in America. But we run our ERs better than they do. Emergency medicine isn't really a, that embrace of a specialty yet here. And so I think that we move patients. So they're learning a lot of stuff from us, too, in terms of what we're capable of doing. I mean, they're surprised about uh, in regards to the skill set of the ER docs coming from the states over here, how much we can do that their doctors can't do. Talking to Dr. Louis Perfetta, emergency room doctor uh, with St. Vincent's here in Indianapolis in Israel right now, working with doctors there, training uh, residents. Have you seen patients? Have you had people coming in, whether attacks uh, from, from Hezbollah or in other places coming in through your hospital? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had fatalities. Um and, you know, also people, when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of troops mobilized and the amount of heavy equipment and machinery and weaponry, I mean, people get hurt constantly. I mean, they, they fall off tanks. They get hit by cars. They, uh, there's a thousand other ways of getting injured than just getting blown up by a rocket or shot. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a ton of – and then the, the, the police and the military presence in the hospital is, Tony, you'd be astounded – I mean, every other patient is carrying, a, a, you know, a table or an M16 or, um, you know, machine gun in, into the emergency department. And they have evacuated the entire in-hospital patient. So, like, if you were being treated for maybe kidney failure or something in, in our hospital, everybody is, is down in the basement except for the ICU and the surgical rooms and the um, ERs, which are built to withstand large rocket fire. They're fortified bunkers. But the rest of the hospital is all now subterranean, uh, literally like giant tunnels with beds and monitoring systems. It's all been designed for this purpose. Sadly, almost most of your hospitals in this country are designed that way. So we, we actually protect our valuable resources, our patients in the tunnels below our hospital, while Hamas stores their weaponry in the tunnels below their hospital. So it just shows you what, what we value here. If you didn't, if you questioned where uh, Dr. Profeta's politics were, uh, now you know the answer. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, but yeah. you kind of knew that when he answered the call and decided he was going to go to Israel. And you got on the uh, on the plane, and there were doctors from from New York, uh, uh, a thoracic surgeon, a vascular surgeon, uh, who were on the plane with you. How many Americans or from other nations have you seen uh, doctors? Have you seen coming uh, to provide support and training to the Israelis? Quite a, quite a few, actually. In fact, with the, um, I think I shared some video with you of this mass casualty drill they did yesterday, which was mind-boggling how, how advanced and in-depth it was. And there were people from Baltimore Shock Trauma that were there um, that had uh, come in. There's, there, I, I'm, I'm welcoming in a doctor from Michigan. Um, they've got, there was a thoracic surgeon from New York that we took over for when, when we arrived. And They've got literally thousands and thousands of doctors that have signed up to come in, and we're just sort of rotating people in and out uh, to fill different voids. And mostly they just want to have more doctors that are really trained on hand at any given time in case there is um, 
large-scale amounts of, you know, rockets hit in populated areas. Next thing you know, you got 20 critically injured patients. So, you know, that's what they're preparing for and why we're here. I had asked you uh, in, in one of our many, many text conversations about uh, the, the politics uh, uh, of it all. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu went on with David Meir of ABC, and, you know, uh, it's, it's very clear that he understands that after this war is over, there are going to be a lot of questions asked, and there are going to be people held responsible for the intelligence failures and other things that led to this uh, uh, attack, and I think Netanyahu fully understands that. But I asked you the question in reverse. Are Israelis paying attention to what's happening on the political scene regarding Israel and Hamas here in the United States? Your answer then was they're not paying attention to anything except taking out Hamas and taking care of their people. Is that still the case? Well, I, 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 maybe I should qualify that. They are they are angry at, at the government for the security uh, lapses that happened. I mean, they are furious. I mean, you can see it from top to bottom, and there's going to be sort of, uh, you know, hell to pay after this is all over in terms of, and just like we were with 9-11, when we went back and looked at commission and said, how do we let these people uh, have access to, you know, uh, you know, jet, you know, simulations in the United States. So there, there's going to be some, some significant sort of soul searching to find out what, what went on. But yeah, there, there, all this stuff in the other, in, in the, in the States right now and other countries, they're starting to see this stuff, and man, it is making them angry. I mean, these, these are good, honorable, just people. This is a just fight, and to watch how it's portrayed in the media and on college campuses, oh my gosh, Tony, I watch this stuff, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Does anybody, is anybody responsible for educating our children these days? It's, it's mind-boggling to me. It's mind-boggling to the entire population here. This conversation regarding where is our moral center has... has uh has taken up a fair amount of, of my time. Um, you, you continue your, your, your watch. I think you're back in, in a couple of weeks. Will you be moved out of this hospital to another one, or is this where you're going to be, this area near Lebanon? No, it's mostly going to be here. We, we have been doing some stuff with the troops. In fact, I've got some, I've got some soldiers coming here to see me in just a little bit, but they, uh, they can't get in. They can't get a doctor to see them right now, and I'm going to do some evaluation, uh, back where I'm staying. Um, we also are probably going to go help out on um, one of the kibbutzes that was shot up and destroyed. Uh, interesting, Tony, you know, these are all agricultural communities, and pretty much everybody was killed. Either they were killed or they, they fled or they've been taken hostage. So a lot of these places have animals and crops that, are, uh, that need taken care of, and all the workers have been pulled out, and all the young people have gone to war. And so you talking about a place that they're filling in the gaps. I don't know if you saw, there was a news story about a bunch of cowboys from Montana. I discussed it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. They just flew in to help. And so we're going to take some of us that aren't doing a whole lot right now, that things are a little slow and we're going to go, I'm going to go pick, pick zucchini, I think tomorrow. among <laughs> other things. Uh, everybody is doing, I, everybody's doing yeah. their thing. And I happen to know there are a yeah. bunch of farmers in Indiana, Dr. Fetta, happy to make the trip. Just someone tell them how. Well, we are actually setting up a program like that. We'll have more information for you. That's another thing that I've been doing on the ground here, uh, making a pipeline to bring uh, some agriculture people to, to help uh, do some of the labor work for a little while so they can get, we can get the soldiers back and the people back. Dr. Louis Profeta, St. Vincent's ER doctor. Uh, stay safe, young man, and I will uh, talk to you soon.
I will see you then. Take care. More is coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. So it turns out that the manifesto is real. Steven Crowder actually had it. And certainly when I first saw it, I said, okay, I'm going to take a look at this. As I said yesterday, I don't think Steven would out such a thing because to be caught in that lie would be whoo, damaging on damaging on damaging. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. This is Daily Caller with the reporting that the Nashville chief of police, John Drake, has confirmed the authenticity of the leaked pages of the Covenant Christian School Shooters Manifesto, and there's now an investigation into the unauthorized release. Well, I'm not surprised by this. I'm not surprised that there would be an investigation. If I had gotten the manifesto for the record, I would have shared the manifesto. Also, we all understand what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about this woman who claimed to be a man who went and shot up a Christian school, murdering six, including three children. Then uh, it was the National Police Department that shot and killed her because she was, I guess, trying to hide within the school. And we heard things about how she was shooting up um, stained glass and, and religious symbols. And we're like, wait, this, this adds some things to, to what we're looking at here. That sounds like somebody who had a personal investment. What is this? but we weren't allowed access to the manifesto. We said, why not? And the answer was obvious to all. Oh, 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 transgender. So you're saying that if that manifesto gets released, it might hurt that community, and therefore somehow we can't know. That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. In every situation, if there's something left, and I hate the term manifesto more than anything, if there's something left, some notes, some something... We're told about it. We see it. We then discuss it. And you can bet every dollar in your pocket against every dollar in my pocket that if the manifesto said, I support Donald Trump, we would have had that manifesto in seven seconds. But instead, the manifesto talked about white privilege and wanting to kill these little crackers and things I can't say on the radio. That it was clear and obvious that the hate for people who are white, the hate for children, as clear as can be. The manifesto is damning in that for people who are desperate for narrative as opposed to facts, they no longer have a narrative. If you're more interested in the narrative, uh, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what value... You provide to any of us. The chief uh, of of the National Police, John Drake, uh, this is the statement in a release. I am greatly disturbed by today's unauthorized release of three pages of writings from the Covenant shooter. This police department is extremely serious about the investigation to identify the person responsible. I'm sorry. We don't know the per. Oh, you, you, you don't mean the shooter. Oh, gosh, you mean whoever leaked it. I get it. I get it. Oh, for a second, I thought you were questioning whether or not the shooter was the shooter, and I was going to lose my mind. We are not at liberty to release the journals until the courts rule. Our police department looks forward to the ultimate resolution of the litigation concerning the journals. Litigation? You mean people are suing not to have it released? 
Who in the world would sue not to have it released? People who are about narrative and not about facts. People who are about the idea of protected groups and not about we the people as having equal rights. All the animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. This is where they're at. Again, if I had had the manifesto, I would have posted it. Unquestionably, it was newsworthy. But you would have to make sure you've got the source because you're putting the whole thing on the line, man. Reputation and everything. Uh, so uh, to, to that end, you know, I don't know how Crowder, uh, Stephen Crowder got access to them, but good on him. He had posted that uh, YouTube was like, sorry, you can't post this stuff. It goes, it violates one of our policies. Uh, you, you might be upset, but that's just the way it is. Which is why he moved everything over to Rumble, and I'm on Rumble as well. Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Good on him. Good on him. Now the question is, where do we go? What comes next from all of this? How about the recognition, if we could be so bold, that your narrative is meaningless? Facts matter. Logic matters. Data matters. Your protection of the trans community? Nope. Doesn't matter. This was a hateful, despicable person who, yes, according to the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual, the DSM-5, had a, a mental disorder called gender dysphoria. These are the facts. I can't worry about whether or not you like them. I cannot worry about whether or not you, they anger you. I cannot worry about whether or not it works or doesn't work for your narrative. To hell with your narrative. Six people are dead, and now we kind of know why. I'm Tony Katz.